It is Wednesday, April 26, 2023, and welcome to episode 211 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Jessica Jones, and as a superhero, for no other reason that I get to talk three times a week to these guys, uh, meaning Jamil Jaffer, my boss and ED here at NSI, and Lester Munson, our microphone challenge senior fellow. <laughs> So today, we're talking once again about reports stemming from recent intel leaks, um, this time with a story about threats pointing at Chad, a country in the Sahel, and an important security partner to the U.S. Documents describe efforts by Russia's Wagner Group to recruit rebels from Chad and establish a training site for fighters in the neighboring Central African Republic as part of an evolving threat to topple the Chadian government. Chad, a nation of 16 million, is home to dozens of ethnic groups vying for power. Its former president, Edris Deby, was killed in 2021 on the battlefield, and during his reign, he had put an end to numerous rebellions, sometimes with the support of Chad's former colonizer, France. Chad is currently being led by his son. At the same time as it's facing security concerns, Chad has also um, been increasing repressive tactics at home. For example, in October, in the midst of pro-democracy protests, which were opposing a government plan to extend its hold on power for another two years, there was the killing of largely peaceful protests testers by security forces. In the face of the killings, the U.S. response was pretty muted. Um, and this is part of an ongoing debate about how far the U.S. can push Chad to make democratic gains while not jeopardizing security interests in Africa. On the flip side, Russia's moves are the latest in its campaign to project greater influence in Africa and create a unified confederation of numerous African states. Uh, Wagner operations in Africa um, have reportedly shifted from taking advantage of security vacuums to now intentionally facilitating instability. Okay, guys, so last week we talked a lot about Sudan, which of course is still in the news and is still facing chaos um, every day. And today we're now focused on Chad. Um, This is a lot of headlines focused in Africa for Western news. Like how widespread and dangerous is the Wagner Group's presence on the African continent? I'm happy to go first and say it is it is pretty alarming. You listed some of the countries there, Jones, that are um, subject to the the vicissitudes of the Wagner Group: Sudan, Chad, uh, Mali, Burkina Faso. There are there are likely others. It's it's a for a, a group like Wagner, which is a you know professional military organization of sorts, kind of on the evil side from the Russians. This is a cost effective way for them to be involved in a country and exploit natural resources because uh, these uh, a country like Chad, incredibly large geographically, not many people, uh, not a lot of development over the years, pretty rudimentary infrastructure. It's pretty easy for a group like Wagner Group to go in and really ex- exploit gold mines and things like that in a way that that will help them finance other things that they're doing, like uh, the invasion of Ukraine. So this is very bad. Uh, and, and let me just say, like, the, the U.S. government needs a way to deal with this in a, in, a, in a manner that is in more than just one country, right? This is, this is a tool that's missing from our toolbox. We, our security assistance situation is, is not addressing countries like Chad that are vulnerable to this kind of attack. We should have a way as, as the U.S. government of dealing with Chad, which is never really going to be a super close ally, but we should be able to help them have alternatives to groups like the Wagner Group uh, to provide security so they can govern their country in the most basic of ways. So this is this is something that where our, our policymakers ought to be focused on. Uh, figuring out how we can we can do security assistance to a country like Chad in a way that's that's acceptable to our values, but also very much in our national interests that will help a, a country like Chad not not succumb to people like the Wagner Group. 
And Jamil, what do you, I mean, what do you think the Wagner, Wagner groups like intentions are? So, you know, Les pointed out uh, resource extraction, maybe distracting from Ukraine. Are, are those all the reasons? Are there more like, are we missing some big story here? And we're just catching it. We're trying to catch up. Well, look, just, I mean, I think, I think Les is right that there are a lot of factors that are coming into play here. But what I worry about um, and what my concern about what the Wagner group is doing is we see them stoking the instability in Sudan. We see them stoking instability in Chad. These are neighboring countries. We already know the Chadian government is concerned about the 20,000 uh, Sudanese that have already fled to Chad uh, just in the last few weeks uh, or last few days, actually, given the fighting between the rapid support forces of General Hamati and the government forces of General Burhan. And so, you know, Chad is already going through its own struggles. It's gone through these struggles historically uh, for many years. These fight with the rebels, as you point out, are nothing new. Uh, but now with the refugee flows, we see that happening not just in Chad, but in other nations around the region. So if Chad becomes unstable, Sudan's already unstable, you can have a real spillover effect into the larger region. We've seen that happen in other places, Syria and the like. Uh, this is not uncommon. Yemen, uh, where refugee outflows can cause both economic and security challenges. So what I worry is that the Russians seem to be intentionally stoking this, this, uh, this problem in at least a couple of countries. They're involved, as Les points out, in other countries. What is the larger play here, right? What is it the Russians are doing? Is it just, is it just they need cash to fight the war in Ukraine? I don't think that's all what's going on here. Yeah. Do they want us distracted? And so to Les's point, it's true the U.S. needs to get engaged, but at what level? To me, the number one priority for the U.S. today has got to be getting those 16,000 Americans who've been abandoned by the administration's departure from the embassy. We've shuttered the embassy. There's 16,000 Americans in that country. And the answer for Secretary Blinken is, well, good luck. I mean, it's ridiculous. Hunker down. Yeah, hunker down. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, so uh, uh, you had French officials, say, you know, also describing the growing activity of the Wagner Group. And they're not calling for direct strikes, but they say that it wouldn't be surprising if strikes were to occur, right? Do we see that happening? And what are the implications if that occurs on what's going on, uh, Russian relations, the war in Ukraine? Thoughts? Yeah, I don't know that we want to become directly militarily involved in Chad uh, right now when uh, things are uh, so chaotic. It's vastly better that we're involved before something like this happens. So we need to, we need to be taking prophylactic measures in other countries that are likely to be uh, in, in a fragile state like this in the future. Right now, I think best thing the United States can do, as, as Jamil said, focus on Sudan. Let's make sure we're protecting Americans there. Uh, but at a certain point, we're going to need to pivot and stop the bleeding here because the, the Russians, and the Wagner Group are definitely exploiting weaknesses across the Sahel. They're doing it in other places. Uh, but in the Sahel in particular, this seems to be a whole region aflame because of Russian adventurism. And it's and it's definitely they're definitely doing this on purpose. This is not an accident. They're not doing it just because it's cheap to do it. This is this is part of a collaborative effort, likely with China. Uh, and so we we need to be much more Machiavellian in our approach to weak states in Africa. I know. So right now, you know, we're talking about Russian engagement on the continent, but we often talk about China, right? So when we get to the larger question, Tilesh, you brought up how you can train security forces and how we weigh, um, you know, promoting U.S. democratic values versus our security concerns. I mean, does our calculus change when we see growing Russian, you know, um, presence, we see growing, you know, Chinese presence and influence? Look, I think I think the biggest human rights violation at the end of the day is a failed state. That's where you're going to see the most death and chaos and likely um, almost genocidal level of violence. That's 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 where that kind of stuff you're going to find. Vastly better that we're more directly involved in securing a nation state that may not have a perfect human rights record. And I'm not saying we should be, you know, giving, but, you know, uh, uh, suitcases filled with cash with guys who have slaughtered people. I'm not saying that at all. There, there does have to be some limits, but we should we should have a higher risk tolerance for a place like Chad. It's vastly better if we're helping the nation state survive than let it slide into chaos. Yeah, that's right. Great. So less trying to avoid death and chaos. OK, that's on the to do list. Check.
Cool. With that, that's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Agacon and Rachel Domino from NSI. Uh, look at our NSI swag here. Uh, and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday for another great episode of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. And if you like what you heard, please rate, review, and also watch us on YouTube or wherever you may get your podcasts.